The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Well, why don't you hold your Bible? Yeah, go for it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, whatever you're reading from, lift it up real nice and high. Shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same. Because faith comes... By hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Happy Resurrection Sunday one more time. And uh, man, I'm just so glad that Jesus is alive, he's not dead. Amen. Uh, Muhammad, dead. Uh, Hare Krishna, dead. Jesus, alive. I'm so glad that we get to serve a Jesus who's alive. Aren't you glad? Praise God. And so on Good Friday, uh, which really is a good Thursday night, right? If you want to fit three nights and three days, uh, it may be difficult if you start on Friday night uh, to be raised up on Sunday morning. So Thursday night is when Good Friday happens. And uh, it's, it's a good Thursday, Friday kind of deal. But it's, it's awesome what Jesus did for us. And so we were here on Friday and we talked about... One of the most powerful statements uh, that Jesus made at the cross, or a declaration uh, that our Lord and Savior made at the cross. And while Jesus uh, was at the cross, uh, he said, it is finished. He said, it is finished. And we said this was not a statement of, uh, you know, surrender. It wasn't a statement of giving up. You, Jesus wasn't saying, you know, uh, he wasn't saying that. He wasn't saying, you know, I'm finished. No, that's not what he was saying. Uh, when Jesus said it is finished, uh, uh, the Greek word is tetelestai, which means paid in full. And if you are not here on Friday, you didn't get to check out that teaching, I encourage you to, to check it out. And so when Jesus said uh, it is finished, you are saying uh, it's paid in full. Uh, what he accomplished on the cross uh, was really uh, what he wanted us to, to experience. He took our place at the cross so that we can take his place in life. Amen. Uh, we know that according to Isaiah 53 verse 5, uh, Jesus went to the cross. And while he was at the cross, he was wounded for our transgression. He was uh, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment needed for us to live uh, in peace with God, he obtained it. It was on him, and with his stripes we are healed. So while Jesus was, the, was at the cross, uh, he took on sickness, pain, so that we could be set free from it. The cross is not Jesus showing us uh, uh, how to live our lives. It's not an example how to live our lives. Uh, there's a divine exchange that takes place at the cross. You know, I know some people say uh, Jesus suffered, so uh, it's your turn to suffer. If you did that, uh, it would be double jeopardy. You would have paid uh, for a prison sentence that somebody already uh, served, and, uh, you know, that's just not uh, smart. It's not, it's not wise. Amen? And so we know while he was at the cross, he also became same scene 
so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, that's 2 Corinthians 5.21 for your reference. 2 Corinthians 8.9, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes. So all these things happened while he was at the cross. So while he was at the cross, Jesus took sickness so that we could be set free from it. He took on a sin. He became sin while he was at the cross so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? And he also took on poverty. He bankrupted himself. When Jesus died on the cross, uh, he died naked and he was thirsty. And these are the two extreme expressions of poverty. When you are thirsty, you don't have any water to drink and you don't have any clothes to wear. And so Jesus experienced that so that we could experience something else better. We could have uh, the divine exchange. Jesus took our place of poverty while they're there at the cross. When Jesus walked on the earth, he wasn't broke. He, he had means. It was at the cross that he bankrupted himself. A lot of people think that Jesus and the disciples were just a bunch of derelicts, you know, just walking around aimlessly and just, you know, picking stuff from uh, uh, people's leftovers and things of that nature. But, but Jesus, Jesus had means. Amen? Uh, uh, if you want to know that Jesus had means, you can, you can look, you know, at the stories in the Bible when, when they ran out of uh, wine at the wedding. Uh, guess who they called on? You know, you don't call on a broke man when you run out of stuff. Amen? I said amen. They called on Jesus. Hey, we've run out of wine. Please help us. We know you've got means. And Jesus came through with uh, a lot of wine. He says that it was so good. Everybody, everybody got drunk. That's what it says in Scripture. I, you know, I didn't write it. So for the section, that thing, it was grapple juice. It was some... <laughs> Some sort of nice appetizer. And then uh, uh, Jesus, you know, while he was at the cross, uh, while, while he was uh, uh, walking here on the earth, he had means, he, he, he supplied for his disciples, 12 grown men, three and a half years, he supplied for them. And you can only do that if you have means, amen, to supply. Uh, and so all of these things, we see that it was only at the cross that Jesus bankrupted himself. Can I get an amen? Uh, Galatians 3.13, we talked about it again on Friday. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, uh, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, so that the reason he did that was that the blessing of Abraham might come upon uh, the Gentiles through faith. So Jesus redeemed us uh, from the curse of the law, basically what that means is the penalty that was attached to the Lord. Jesus redeemed us from that. He bought us back uh, from the slave market of sin. He bought us back from the dominion of sin so that we could be set free from it. And so uh, when Jesus said it is finished again, uh, he didn't mean that the entire plan of salvation was finished because there still was some work uh, that needed to be done. And so today we're going to be talking about what transpired between the day that he died and uh, the day that he uh, arose from the dead. So quickly, let us go to Ephesians chapter number 4. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter number 4. And I want to read from verse 8 to 12. It says, Wherefore, he says, when he, talking about Jesus, 
ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And so we know that on the uh, third day, Jesus uh, rose from the dead. And when he uh, rose from the dead, uh, it is said in scripture that uh, there were uh, old uh, saints, saints of old in the Old Testament. We had believed in the coming Messiah on credit uh, as a type and shadow. Uh, most of them are part of the nation of Israel. They had believed there were some who were not a part of the nation of Israel who believed uh, many of them, you know, one of them, uh, Rahab, you remember the story. She's even listed in uh, Hebrews 11 as a woman of faith, but she was a Gentile. She was not of the nation of Israel. But I mean, this thing, salvation has always been open to everybody. And so it says here, uh, he led captive, captivity captive. Essentially what this means is, you know, the Old Testament saints, we had died believing. Uh, he went and he led a parade to lead them to to heaven because when they died the real thing hadn't been done all they had done before the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through God's grace and mercy was to kill an animal you know a turtle dove a lamp you would bring a perfect lamp to the priest and then they would inspect it and they would offer it uh, uh, for your for your for your sins and then you would walk scot-free for just a year but that could not take away the sin of the world eternally because you cannot have a life of an animal for a life of a human so in the fullness of time God had in his plan for Jesus to come to die for us and what Jesus obtained from, from that was not what the blood of bullocks and bulls could obtain. Uh, just temporary redemption. What Jesus obtained is what is known as eternal redemption. It lasts forever. Amen? Because now we had a life of a human uh, for a life of a human. And so Jesus went uh, to these guys who were in a, a holding place called a paradiso or Sheol. Right? And he went and when he uh, came back from defeating Satan and man, this is an awesome story. Let's read it. Let me just read this whole deal and let me show you what happened. It says, now that he ascended, verse 9, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? So there was some business Jesus needed to take care of. So when he died on the cross, he descended into the lower parts of the earth. To do what, you may ask? To bring back the authority that Adam had given to the devil. That part hadn't been dealt with yet. And so that's why scripture says over there in Colossians 2.15 that when he went there, he spoiled all principalities. In fact, Ephesians 2.14 and 15 are powerful because 14 happened on Good Friday. He wiped out the ordinances that were against us, the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. In verse 15, he goes and he defeats the devil, spoiled all principalities, made a parade or a public show of them triumphing over them. And when he came back from that, it says he led captivity captive. Do you know what happened when Jesus came back to life? On resurrection day, not only did Jesus uh, walk in the streets of Jerusalem, it says, and men of old who had died believing were seen walking in the streets of Jerusalem. There was so much resurrection life in the air that they couldn't stay dead. And then he took all of that power when you got born again and put it on the inside of you. Man, you have no business having a low self-esteem, yabbity, yabbity life. It says when Jesus, let me show you. Some of you think this is just stories. Let's go to Matthew 27. Let's read Matthew 27, verse 52. This is the day that Jesus uh, uh, was raised from the dead. Watch what happens. It says, and the graves were opened, and many... 
bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. There was just too much life. Nothing could stay dead on that day. Amen. Many of them were, were fallen, they were raised. Coming out of graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Jesus as the firstborn and everybody else following him. So that's all that statement means. He led captivity captive. It was now time for them to be reconciled with our heavenly father because Jesus had now done the real thing, obtained eternal redemption. Can I get an amen? Now watch what he says in verse 10. He says, he that descended, do you realize that Colossians 2.15 said he defeated all principalities? In fact, if you read in the NIV or the NLT, it says he disarmed all principalities or he disarmed the devil. Now all you and I deal with is a disarmed devil. The devil does not have any real authority anymore over you. He does not have any real power over you anymore except the power that you give to him. And you and I don't have to give him any power. Can I get an amen? amen? He says he's pulled all principalities. And the apostle Paul here is borrowing from a Roman tradition where after defeating a, an opposing king from a different city, what they would do is they would bring that king into their own city and, 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 and make a public show of him to their own citizens. And the reason they did that was because they wanted to establish some sort of confidence in their own citizens to know that peace from today onwards, peace shall reign. And not only that, we are safe and sound. And spiritually, this is what happened in Colossians 2.15. After Jesus did that, you know, they would literally take the king, uh, strip him of his royal robes, and uh, walk him in the streets naked, take off his uh, ring authority, his authority ring finger, and just walk him in the, embarrass him, really. And essentially, that's what Jesus did. When he whipped the devil, he made a public appearance spiritually, and all believers... I supposed to have known about it. But it's sad to say that most believers don't know about it. They think that the devil still has some power. And that's why sometimes you go to places and they, they say it's a prayer meeting, but they, they're talking to the devil more than they talk to God. <laughs> prayer is defined as communion with, with God. And you go to some of these prayer meetings, they didn't come to the parade, didn't hear about it. Man, they're just talking to the devil the whole time. You devil, you do, you devil, you did that. I bind you devil, I do this, I do this. Hey, you devil, fire, fire now, devil, fire. To... And the devil is thinking, man, I've already lost. What's up with this? Amen. In fact, they share a story of old, uh, it was... Uh, Smith Wigglesworth, I think that was his name, Smith Wigglesworth, way back in, in, in England. And uh, Smith, you know, he's getting ready to sleep at, uh, at night in the days of candles. And there was a manifestation on the front of the bed. It was a little spiritual tokoloshi or whatever uh, manifest manifesting in the front of his bed. He's getting ready to sleep. And he woke up, he lit the candle to check what it was. And he saw this devil going, yeah, 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 I'm the devil. And he said, oh, it's just you. You blew the candle and went to sleep. Now ask your neighbor, what would you have done? <laughs> Amen. Now this is important because how do you respond when life tries to tell you your enemy is still power over you? 
how you, how you respond is a reflection of whether you came to the parade, heard about the parade, or you didn't come to the parade. Amen. amen. I said, amen. The reason Jesus did this is to reveal to his church that the enemy has been defeated. And so he rose from the dead. And uh, so what does this mean for us? Jesus rising from the dead. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. This is not a fairy tale. Jesus really rose from the dead. Can I get an amen? I told you, I told you two weeks ago uh, that, you know, uh, uh, even the world knows that Jesus lived. Uh, that's why every date you see is dated according to Jesus. You know, B.C., what does that mean? Before? Before Christ. A.D., what does that mean? Anno Domini or Anno Domini? What does that mean? It means after Christ. So the defining point of time is Jesus Christ. And so we meet all these people that claim to be atheists. I say, what's the date today? They say, the date is the 18th of April. I say, there you go. How did you get to that? After Christ. Oh, there you go. So Christ lived, right? Because every time you fill in a date, every time you log into a computer with a date, it's proclaiming to you that Jesus Christ lived. This is not fairy tale. This is truth. Can I get an amen? And so the Apostle Paul is making that argument that, you know, Jesus Christ lived, number one. Number two, he was raised from the dead. And this is what he says, verse 16. Now, the reason the Apostle Paul is making this argument is because this is the foundation, this is the cornerstone of your faith. You and I's faith, without the resurrection, we are not saved. Listen to what he says. He says, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. The reason he says this is because in Ephesians chapter number 2, it describes your state before you got born again as being dead in your trespasses. And so what Jesus did at the cross gave dead people an opportunity to cross over into life. Jesus didn't come just to alter bad people and try and make them good. Jesus came to raise dead people into life. Amen. I said, amen. And so he says here, if, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep or those who have died in Christ have perished. And in this life, only we have hope in Christ. We are of all men the most pitiable. And watch what he then says, because he's now getting ready to show us uh, what I like to call the, the, the concept of identification. And you need to understand this. It's a foundation for you understanding most of the scriptures. When you understand the concept of identification, it's going to help you understand some of the difficult you know, parts of the Bible. He says in verse 21, For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Now, what does that have to do with anything? Go with me to verse 20. He says in verse 20, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Why? For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. What he means by this is death 
was pronounced because of what Adam did. You didn't have to do anything for you to inherit a dead state. It was because of what Adam did. And in the same fashion, life, you don't have to do anything. You just have to switch over and identify with somebody else and get born again. When you get born again and you are now identify with Jesus, he says this. Also, the resurrection of the dead came with Jesus. Verse 22. For as in Adam, someone say in Adam. That's the kicker. He says, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So what he begins to describe here is what I like to call the law of identification. Which team do you identify with? Because whichever team you identify with, whatever their reality is, becomes your reality. And so we have fans who like uh, soccer, football. You know, we call it football. The real fans call it football. The Americans call it soccer. It's not soccer. It's football, right? And so we have people who like football, different teams, you know, Arsenal being the best out of the bunch, and uh, many other teams, uh, Manchester United, man, they're struggling, and uh, all these other, you know, different teams. But what I like about, about football fans is that when, when, when they win a trophy, they don't say, uh, you know, we, 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 our team won the trophy. You listen to football fans, real football fans, you know, they, they say, hey, we won the trophy. They say we won the trophy. Uh, uh, and, and here's what I like about here's what I like about football fans is that some of the times they claim they won the trophy, they weren't even born. And and so they claim that victory. And here's what's fascinating about that whole deal. Some of the fans will even talk about there's a thing that they do uh, for, for the people who don't understand football. There's a thing they do every, every summer in England, June, July. There's a thing they do where the teams stop playing and you go into the market and you're selling and buying players. And, and some of these teams have, have big budgets and they buy players for all kinds of you know, money. And when you meet their fans, the fans say, oh, we bought, we bought Pogba for 80 million pounds, right? <laughs> And they're not saying, you know, the, the, the team bought this player. They say, we bought the dude for 80 million pounds. And they talk big because they identify with a different team. When you start identifying with a different team, whatever that team accomplishes is credited to your account without you even lacing up a boot. You know, I, I, I was in the U.S. the one time and someone was pressuring me to pick a football team because, you know, I'd get around football fans all the time and pressuring me. And I said, man, which team is, you know, wins all the time? And they told me, they said the New England Patriots. So I said, okay, then I'm a New England Patriots fan. And so I went and I bought a cap, just a cap, to show people that I'm now New England Patriots. And I remember vividly walking into the, I didn't even know that that's what I represented and how serious it was. I just put the cap on. And I remember I was in... It, uh, yeah, I think we were in Los Angeles, and, and someone, the, some people were in the lift, and then the door opened, and I walked in, and the guy looked at me and said, man, you beat us last year. <laughs> now, I was just wearing a cap. I didn't even watch the game. I didn't know anything about it. He said, man, you beat us last year. I said, really? And he said, yes. He said, man, and, and, and you've been winning this chip since. And here, what, what was interesting was the simple act of just saying with my mouth that I'm now the, you know, a fan for the New England 
uh, patriots changed my reality and how people responded to me. Just like the simple act of believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that you have moved from Tim Adam, confessing who? Jesus Christ as Lord, that you have moved from Tim Adam, because with Tim Adam you identified with death. For in, in Adam all died. Whoever identifies with Tim Adam identifies with defeat and death. All you have to do is to change the regalia by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when you do that, you join Tim Jesus. And when you join Tim Jesus, you are now rolling with Tim life. You are now rolling with Tim victory. And this is why scripture says this. Go with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 2 from verse 5 to 6. Listen to what it says. Ephesians chapter number 2 from verse 5 to 6. It says, even when we were dead in sins, has he quickened us together. Someone say together. You see, because when you receive Jesus, now it's, there's no separation. You know, you talk about uh, Manchester and their fan, there's a separation. This kind of uh, 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 communion makes you one. He says he has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved and has raised us up together. Some of you don't realize when Jesus died, you died too. Because it was credited to your account. When he rose from the dead, guess who else rose? That's why scripture says he rose us up together and made us sit. How many? Together in heavenly place. See, if you don't understand the principle of, of identification, scripture will be trying to tell you, you are seated in heavenly places. You'll be saying, no, I'm seated in four ways. Amen? If you don't understand the law of identification, people will come to you and say, man, oh, you're a man, you are a champion. And you say, no, I'm not a champion because I, I didn't lace up, you know, those boots. It doesn't matter who laced up the boots. If I identify with the team, I identify with them in victory. And when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you identify with everything that Jesus did. When Jesus died on the cross, guess who else died? But he didn't stay dead. When he whipped the devil, guess who else whipped the devil? And the devil hasn't forgotten. And so every time you show up with a cap that says Jesus, he gets frightened and he says they are here. Except sometimes we don't know what we are wearing. Sometimes we don't realize we've put on Christ. We've put on Team Jesus and we should act like we have put on Team Jesus. Amen. Amen. Man, when you show up, guess who showed up? Jesus. Oh, some religious people will get, I mean, they'll, they'll have a problem with that. But Jesus and you are one. Amen. If he's seated in heavenly places, I'm seated in heavenly places. Far above all principalities. Far above all powers. Far above everything that is a name in this world and even in the world to come. Does sicknesses have names? Yes. I'm seated far above it. Amen. Does not having money have a name? Yes. I'm seated far above it. Because I'm now seated in Christ. And that's why the Apostle Paul gets so daring with this revelation. He gets to the point where he is so in it and he changes. He turns around and says, man, at this point it's not even I that leaves. 
But Christ lives in me. And the life that I live is now by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Man, when you start to realize these things, it changes the way uh, you relate to life. Man, God, God, God has made us to identify with Jesus. Let's read verse 13 of, of 2 Corinthians. Let, let me show you verse 13. 2 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 13. He says, but if there is no resurrection, uh, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And your faith is also empty. Yes, we have found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he has raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if, in fact, the dead do not raise. So if we, the dead do not raise, there's no way you could have had your born-again experience because your born-again experience was moving from death to life. And because the dead raise, Jesus being the firstborn, I can boldly say I'm born again. And I have a relationship with God based on that. Can I get an amen? amen. Let's go to Romans chapter number 3, verse 20. What does this mean for me? Uh, what Jesus did for us at the cross really incepted what is known as the grace dispensation. It's the dispensation of grace. It's also known as the church age. Uh, it's known as a, 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 a new way to relate with God. And, and, and really, when Jesus went to the cross, died, and he was raised from the dead, and he went into heaven, presented his own blood uh, into the Holy of Holies, onto the mercy seat, what he was doing was to meet all the uh, legal requirements of, of, of a valid experience in, in our salvation. You know, sometimes I get really... Uh, uh, annoyed, really, that's the word. I get annoyed and disappointed at the same time uh, with some of my friends, you know, who are grace preachers, but they, the way they preach grace is such uh, a lack of understanding, just no knowledge at all. It's just zealous. Uh, and they make it seem as if God just took a broom and just swept the sin, sin issue under the rug. Just, you know, God in the dispensation of grace just said, hush, hush, okay, nobody talk about it. You know, God actually dealt with the sin issue uh, above board. They're using the, the, the legal demands of justice so that we could be set free eternally. And when you read the book of uh, Romans, man, that's what it's talking about. That's right. That's the apostle's message. And he does it so intellectually. It, it, it's awesome. Amen. So if you read in Romans 3, verse 20, watch what it says. It says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, they shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Let's get the, the three fellas. Let me get three gentlemen to just come and join me here, and I'm going to get a chair as well. We're going we're gonna to do what we did in the first service. Now you know where to stand. It's, it's the way. Okay. Before you get up, before you get up, listen, listen to this. Listen to this. So, therefore, right, the Apostle Paul is trying to explain to us how this thing works. He says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for the law is the knowledge of sin. So, God gave something to, 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 to the world that was called the law, right, 613 of them. And basically, uh, the reason why God gave the law, according to Romans 3.20, the last part of it, the reason God gave the law was to reveal the knowledge of sin. Because without the law, there is no sin. 
And without the law, you know, no one knows how bad the situation is. You know, you can just continue with your life. But this is how bad the situation is. The law said to these three gentlemen, the law, the demands of the law, just simply say this, uh, I want you to touch the roof. That was the law. It wasn't even the roof. It was the sky. That's how impossible it was to keep the law. And so there are those uh, who just didn't have any hope at all. <laughs> you know, just murderers and just, you know, crazies. And they were just down here. And they, they tried to, to reach out and they just realized, you know what, this is just not, this is just not working. And there were those who were at petty, petty, petty issues. It wasn't bad, but, you know, it was, it's still bad. They were just lying here and there, you know, <laughs> just lying here and there, but otherwise, you know, you're all right. <laughs> and then there were those who said, you know what, we're actually going to keep this law. And they were elevated to the chair, and, and they said, you know what, we're going to keep the law. We, we, we're going to pray three times a day. We're gonna, and then when God came and said, uh, let's see if you can be justified by the law. Touch the roof. All of them failed to touch the roof. And so God's justice system then said this. Listen to God's judge, uh, justice system. It then said this, verse 23. For all have sinned. God didn't say, ah, this one is the bad one, and then the other ones are, are better. No, God, when he looked, he lumped them all to, it's, it's, it's kind of unfair, right? God just lumped them, this one and this, they're all the same. From God's perspective, he didn't say, ah, murder is a big one, so, you know, you get a bigger punishment. No, from God's perspective, he said, all have sinned, and all have fallen short of the what? Of the glory of God. And so, God then said, we need to do something about it. So this was the starting point of grace. Grace has to acknowledge that there was an issue, and the issue was sin. And everybody couldn't make the cut. These ones, you know, that tried on the chair, uh, they would stick up some books and do stuff to try and reach the roof. And I mean, the standard is not the roof, it's the sky. I just used the roofs just so because that's the highest thing here. But the standard was so high and they would start and, you know, stake it up and get a little higher than these guys and then bring it to God. You know, God put it all together. You know what he called it? He called it filthy rags. And that's even a, a, a nicer English term to try and make it palatable. If you read it in the Hebrew, when God saw their own righteousness brought before him as a sacrifice, God called it menstrual rag. That's what he called it. He said it doesn't even make the cut. And so we start at this point where God says all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. So let's do something about it. And this is the reason why God then sent Jesus to die and meet, first of all, to meet the cut. When Jesus came, he was just touching the sky every time he was walking. Every time he went, I mean, his standard, he was so high. He kept the law every jot and every tittle. And he didn't do it for himself. He did it for us. And so when Jesus lived out his life, uh, touching the sky and meeting all the demands of the law, he became the perfect sacrifice to die instead of us. And when Jesus died, he took the punishment that he didn't deserve so that we could receive the freedom that we didn't deserve. That's what grace is about. It's about this dude, this dude, and this dude all receiving the same reward of grace, uh, gift really, not reward. They receive the same gift of grace 
By doing what? He explains it to us. Thanks, Thank you, fellas. Verse 24. He says, verse 24, being justified freely. Someone say freely. freely. So when God came, he said, okay, now we're going to acquit all of them. All three of them, they're going to be set free. They're going to be acquitted for how much? For zero. Freely. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. It's, listen, grace is free, but it's not cheap. Jesus paid dearly for it. It's free, but it wasn't cheap. Amen? He says, justified freely through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be the propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. And so the Apostle Paul really is being clever and intelligent with the use of words here. He says God then sent forth Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins. If you read in 1 John 2, 2, he says Jesus is the propitiation of our sins, not for ours only, but for the entire world. And the concept of propitiation is this. It is, it starts with justice. Here's what it looks like, really. Uh, we, we see it, you know, in, in, to a certain degree. Uh, or let's just say you were driving fast, okay? This is how propitiation works. Let's just say you were driving fast, you're doing a 90, when you're supposed to do a, a 50 or 60. You know, they won't give you a ticket. They'll take you straight to, to court. You know, don't ask me how I know that. But they'll take you straight to court. You, you have to go to court. And so here's what happens. Because as you walk into the court, right, propitiation is what it looks like is you walk into the court and then you realize one of your church members is the judge one of your church friends a life group member is the judge you walk in and you stand in the box the witness box and you yeah you yeah, q yo q you relax and then you know q what you don't realize is as long as q is in the a uh, uh, judge seat, right? As long as he's in the, on that, on that he, he, he's not using his feelings. He can't. He has to use the, the law, right? And so, to your surprise, <laughs> Q picks up the, the gavel, and then he, he slams it and he says, guilty. Ha. Huh. I thought you were my heavenly father. That's Romans 3.23. For all have sinned, it has to start there. As long as Q is wearing that uh, uh, gown, you know, that robe, man, he has to do it according to the demands of justice. And he says guilty. But to your surprise, he takes off that robe and he leaves that box, the judge box, and he comes over there and he joins you and he holds your hand and he says, now I'm one of you and you don't have to worry about it because the penalty that I declared over, here, over there, I'm the one that's still going to pay for it. But it started off with justice. See, God had to start with justice. And then when he declared all have fallen short, all are sinners, and have fallen short of the glory of God, God then became Jesus, right? Christ. And he came, God incarnate, came and he became one of us. Man, it took so much humility for God to do that. It took so much love. It takes so much compassion for God to God Almighty was omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, had someone change his diaper just because he wanted to accomplish this mission of setting you free. 
God Almighty. Had someone talked to him with baby talk. Don't you realize I'm God? Were you talking to me like that? No, endured 30 years in a human body because he had a target, he had a goal. When he went to the cross, you know what kept Jesus at the cross as God Almighty incarnate? What kept him at the cross is compassion. No, it wasn't the power in the nails. The nails weren't that strong, I can assure you. But his love for you and I, he looked through the corridors of time and saw you and I coming to the knowledge of salvation. He looked through the corridors of time and saw billions upon billions being transitioned from death to life. And he said, for that reason, I'm going to stick it out. Didn't have to. He could have blown the suckers off just... And then blew the, the king, Pharaoh. Who was his name? Pilate. Hey, Pilate. Blew him off the drop kick him into space. <laughs> Amen. But for his compassion, for his love, he stuck it out. Just so he could set us free. That's the power of his love. Amen. I said, amen. And so he's the propitiation. So what did he do for us in that court? Listen to what happened. Isaiah 54 verse 8. He says, in a little or soon, right? Uh, uh, a little wrath, I hid my face uh, from thee for a moment. So during the old covenant, I mean, the, the veil was still up. It wasn't torn. And so we didn't have access uh, into, into the Holy of Holies to have a, 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 a functional relationship with our Heavenly Father. But listen to this. After Jesus paid for, the, for, the, for, the, for our sins. Listen, this is awesome. Isaiah 54 verse 8, he says, but with everlasting kindness everlasting kindness will i have mercy on you says the lord thy redeemer for this is as the waters of noah unto me for as i have sworn that the waters of noah should no more go over the earth so have i sworn that i would not be wroth with thee nor rebuke thee because of what jesus did on the cross god swore to himself because there is no one greater that he will never be angry at you that he will never be ticked off with you you know, there's people that say when a tragedy happens, they say, well, God is angry. Did you read this? He says, just like the Noah, just like the, the promise of the rainbow that I gave to Noah, that's what it represents, right? Everlasting kindness. Every time you see the rainbow, it represents everlasting kindness from God towards you and I. It doesn't represent what they, they, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to steal the rainbow from it. The rainbow belongs to us. Amen. In fact, I met some Christians saying we should stop using the rainbow because it's been hijacked. No, we're taking the rainbow back. We're we are a rainbow nation, praise God. The real one. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so what did he say? He says, man, I'm not going to be angry at you or rebuke you. Verse 10, for the mountains shall depart. The hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, says the Lord that has mercy on you. And I have to quit because I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Someone shout, I'm justified. I'm acquitted. I have been set free. 
And this is, man, I'm telling you, when you start to adopt this mindset, you're going to have boldness. Scripture says in Proverbs 28 verse 1, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous, the acquitted, the redeemed, the propitiated, if you will, are as bold as a lion. Do you know where you get your boldness from? You get your boldness from realizing that you have been set free, the demands of justice was paid because of what Jesus did for us at the cross. Amen. I said amen. And so today is a day we get to celebrate Jesus as the firstborn of many. As the first fruit, that transition from death to life. Today is the day that we get to celebrate the ultimate fruit of that, which is you and I transitioning from death to life, from defeat to victory. Death, where is your sting? Death no longer has power over you, child of God. Sin no longer has power over you. Sickness no longer has power over you because Jesus paid it all. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. What manner of love is this? That a man should die for his friends. What manner of love is this? That a man should be resurrected, raised above, seated at the right hand of the Father, but also invites us to be identified with him so that we can be partakers of his victory, so that we can be partakers of his glory. Today, we say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all you have done for us. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for acquitting us. Thank you, Father, that sin no longer has dominion or control over us. Sin no longer controls or, or, or can no longer make us guilty or condemn us. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid it all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And someone says, Amen. Amen. Man, I'm telling you, God has called us to live our eyes set on Jesus. The cross is level. The ground at the cross is level. See, when you start walking in grace, the Apostle Paul then goes on to say, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? The law of grace. It's the law of faith. Faith in what Jesus Christ did. Amen. Man, when you start to realize what grace did for you and I, it takes away boasting. There is no boasting because none of us uh, uh, earned it. It wasn't an achievement. It was something that Jesus Christ uh, did for us. And he goes on to say in 520 of Ephesians, of, of Romans, he says uh, the reason he did all of it uh, was because uh, where sin abounds, grace is going to abound even much more. So the guy you saw who was standing on the chair, I mean, he doesn't get to enjoy it as much as the guy uh, who, who was standing on the ground. However, when they are all into the kingdom, uh, the Apostle Paul then says in uh, Romans 6 verse 1, does it mean we should sin so that grace may abound? And he says, God forbid. No, how can you who have been raised from dead into life who are now slaves of righteousness lives your life any longer in sin you, the the power for sin to dominate you has been taken out when you over here on team life you live righteously by accident than you ever tried over here on team death 
When you're over there, man, your flesh can't tell you what to do anymore because now you have been empowered to live your life in grace. Amen? amen. I said amen. That, 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 uh, that chocolate cake can't tell you. Wake you up. Wake you up at midnight. Get up from bed to go and partake because the thing was calling you. No, no. When you're over here, by grace, you have been empowered to say no. Oh, just one amen over here. Amen. You can no longer say, oh, pastor, it was just the flesh. No, you have been empowered to now live your life above the flesh. Amen. I said amen. Man, we're going to pray if there's anyone who has a sickness in their body. We want to pray for you before we leave. This is a pain-free zone. Amen. I was talking to Louise uh, on Friday, actually. You want to come up and share that testimony real quick of your dad? You know, uh, uh, Louise, just come on up. Uh, where's the microphone? I, I want to... Man, Jesus. Jesus, did you want to come up, Shana, to you? Come and uh, uh, just uh, hold it so that she doesn't... She doesn't uh, uh, a fall. So what happened? It's my track. Um, so I got a phone call on Sunday um, from my brother. My father um, had some kind of attack. At that stage, he couldn't walk. Um, he couldn't talk. He said it's the weirdest thing. It's like your your um, his tongue is thick in his mouth. He knows what to say, but he's he, he, he can't get the words out. So we thought it was a stroke. And um, my uh, brother took him to hospital, um, went through tests there. We drove through from Pretoria to Rustenburg. And um, yeah, they, after the tests came back, after hours of waiting, um, they said he's still in cardiac arrest. So they, That's a heart attack. Is that that's a heart attack, a heart attack okay. yes. Um, so I don't know how it works, but he was still in cardiac arrest. And Shana should know better. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, but they stabilized him, and um, uh, we went home. We thought, okay, everything's under control. At least he's, he's got the right treatment and that. And on our way home, um, got a phone call from my brother. They just took Dad to ICU. Um, he had a bit of a backtrack there, give me the right English words there. He didn't do, do well at the moment and um, they took him to, to ICU. And um, yeah, long, long story short, uh, uh, he's been uh, taken to another hospital for extra tests uh, in, the lo in the next day, was it? The Monday. The Monday. The Monday they took him for um, extra tests at another hospital because they weren't equipped to help him there, there where he was. And um, we've been waiting and waiting and kind of expecting, is he going to get a stent? Are they going to operate? Because now he's in um, surgical ICU and we're waiting for this and news. And have you prayed for him at We've that prayed point? for him. Um, Pastor Dave from the Cape has prayed for him. Pastor Dave asked for perfect healing. Mm. He said to me first thing, how old is he? I said 72. Mm. He said, then he's young. Mm. 
perfect healing. He's still got life. Mm. I thought, oh, is that how it works? Mm. Still got a life ahead. Um, Pastor from Whitbank uh, prayed for him. Um, there were so many people praying for him and really asking for perfect health. And um, on my way uh, to ballet on Tuesday, um, got a phone call from my brother. Um, uh, uh, no, no, no. Thank you. Um, got a phone call and picked up. And it was the, the hospital. hospital. Yeah. Um, come and fetch your dad. I said, but what? I thought incompetence, really. How could this be? Um, he's sick. He's in ICU. Now they take him out of ICU straight home. Can't be right. Can't be right. Phone my brother. Tell my brother, it seems you need to go and f- uh, fetch dad. He said, no. Can't be. You know what? They need the bed. That's the problem. They need the bed. For and immediately, we are thinking in those directions. And um, uh, after ballet, I got a phone call. And it was my brother. My father was on the other side. And um, he said to me, so what do you say now? He could talk. He could walk. Um, perfect. Come on. Perfect talk. Thank you, Jesus. The best part of the story is my brother got hold of the surgeon. And the surgeon said, sir, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. The tests that we did on Sunday that showed he's in cardiac arrest and the test that we did now with the angiogram, it's like two different people. Come on. There's Come on. no sign of cardiac arrest. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. So I realized we asked for perfect healing and God touched my father. He's perfectly healed. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you, guys. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so we want to pray. We want to pray for you. Uh, if you have pain and or sickness in your body, Jesus has already paid for it. And if you've got any family uh, that's not here, uh, we want to we wanna pray for them. Uh, Jesus already did his part. Now it's time for us to enforce what Jesus did uh, on the cross. Amen. I said amen. And so if that's you, we're going to ask you to put your hand up. And we're going to pray. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. I see all the hands all over this building. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask the believers. You heard the message of faith. You heard the message of grace. I'm going to ask the believers to turn around. And uh, he said, believers shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. And so this is what you do. You are a believer. You lay hands on people. And uh, they have no choice but to recover. Just look around. If, if, you, if, you, if you still need someone to, to, put, to lay hands on you, just put your hand real high. Just put your hand. Everybody is covered. Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak life now in Jesus' name. In the name above every other name, we speak life right now. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for instant healing. Because Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And we enforce that healing right now. In Jesus name. Healing take effect right now in the name of Jesus. From the top of their head to the sole of their feet. Be healed right now in the name of Jesus. We speak to that lower back pain. That spasm we command it to release right now. In Jesus' name, 
We speak to it. We command it to go in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for doing it. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And someone say it, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. And so that's what you do. You know, believers uh, lay hands on the sick everywhere they go. And what happens to the sick? The sick recover. Ministry is not, you know, this Sunday thing with a piano type deal. I got a testimony yesterday, actually, from a Kauai, one of the Kauais that I frequent. Uh, it's a, it's a, a restaurant in our neighborhood, and I always go there. And, and so when I go, I, you know, I just go as Tafari, and I'm talking to people. I'm having fun. I'm having a ball. And um, uh, the testimony said... Uh, that, you know, one of the days you came, I don't even remember, one of the days you came to Kauai, you spoke a word of faith uh, over me, and uh, you told me, this is what the person was saying, I think it's a guy, you know, he said, this is what you told me, that uh, my days of being a cashier were over with, and that God was bringing uh, an upgrade to my life, and he sent me a message on Instagram, he said, hey, I'm now working for for Absa, he said, now I'm a banker, I'm a banker, I stopped being a... And this is what he said. He said, you didn't, you didn't tell me you were a pastor. You didn't have to. You didn't tell me you were a Christian. You didn't have to. But I knew there was something different in the words that you spoke. Amen. And so, man, as you go out into the world, God has put so much on the inside of you. It's time for us to start letting it out. Everywhere you go, man, you're on the taxi. If someone says, ah, oh, man, this is, come on over here. Let me pray for you. It doesn't have to be dramatic. Just life. Just life. If they don't want to be prayed for, just touch them anyway and say life. Just life. Just life. I got too much life to keep to myself. Amen. So let's go out there and change the world. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.